here with their new baby. Congratulations, guys. That baby looks new. That's a new one. Um, so that's exciting. I think we had three babies born over the last week and a half or two weeks. Um, and we can't wait for Luke Wilson to come back to church. He delivered their third born on Woodland Avenue on the side of the road. Uh, and the baby was in his arms by the time the ambulance arrived. So anyhow, I think we'll have to get him to preach because yeah. that is just such a good story. Well, great to see everyone here today. We're going to have a picnic at 11.30. Please come. Don't be shy. Come. Um, you know, my whole message is going to be basically leading to come to the picnic today. So we would love to see you there. Uh, down. Yeah, it's great space because the kids area is kind of closed in and we can all play cricket and picnic on the outside. So that'll be great. Gosh, I love January. Uh, we, 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 Victoria and I, besides dressing in the exact same colours today, um, I've had three dinners out this week. Uh, multiple swims, the cricket is on. What a good time of year. What a good time of year. Well, I'm speaking uh, this morning on friendship with Jesus and being a community of friends. Um, but one thing I want to announce at the start of the year is I feel like we need to take our church worship in a different direction this year. Um, so I actually wanted to start with a song by an amazing 1970s Catholic synth pop group called Sunsea, who I think hold the keys to our future as a church in worship. Um, and it also speaks into our message today. Alright, so this is Sunsea, get ready to be blown away. Conference, 
and he was sharing the secret to HPB success. So we're all on the edge of our chairs waiting to hear, we're all leaning in, we all want to hear what's the key to growing a, a vibrant, healthy, big church. Uh, is it the worship? Is it the teaching? Is it the, the heart for social transformation? And then in a very English voice, he said, the secret to a great church is friendship. Isn't that interesting? Over the years, I've come to realise that Nicky Gumbel was spot on. The best of what we call church is built on friendship. Um, I think we've got a slide, life is better with friends. There you go. That's our inspiration for the day. But I think after people come into faith and obviously life transformation, I think it is friendship that makes church so attractive. We don't join a community of ideas, but a community of people, of friends who get to do life together. 1 John 4:11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. As we start this year as a church community, uh, we've got so much to give thanks for. Last year we celebrated 10 years, uh, with our big anniversary celebration. Um, there's so many people involved here at Family Life now, almost 600 people. We've got great services, alpha courses, worship nights, incredible missions. But what makes me most happy is seeing people connect and seeing people become friends. Um, I think the brothers here this morning, but we have a new Dutch girl here in this church called Bettina, and she's been coming along for a couple of months now, probably two or three months, and I was super nervous that she wasn't connecting with anyone, she wasn't making friends, and, and, and sometimes I'd see her and no one had gone and said hello, and this is why pastors have no hair, because we pull it out. <laughs> and then the next thing I hear, She's moving in with some of the young adults at church. She's loving the young adults' life group. And she says to me, I've never felt so at home and connected in the church. And it's just like happy pastor. You know, she's come to the other side of the world. She's found a church where she can make friends and feel like she belongs and grows. See, there's many things you can do to grow a church. You can have slightly better coffee than the church down the road. <laughs> I don't think we're in danger of winning on that one. Uh, maybe you could offer an introductory 8% tithe. Does that sound good? <laughs> but let me tell you my hope is that Manly Life will be a church of friends who bring friends to hear about the good news of salvation in Jesus. Amen? I think that's a deeply compelling vision for a church. Uh, my own story is, you know, in high school I kind of dropped out from going to church for a couple of years. And eventually it was a friend at school who brought me along to a youth group. And the thing that struck me was, one, they took Jesus very seriously. And I was compelled by Jesus and, and, and salvation. But it was the community of friends. It was the way that they were doing life together. It was the fact that some of them were able to get girlfriends. You know, <laughs> and, and I wanted to be a part of that community. Church can be hard if you just turn up um, and know absolutely no one. Uh, it is possible. I think of Cornelius. Cornelius, another Dutch guy, arrived in Sydney, knew no one. 
He's now the most popular person at Manly Life Church, uh, besides Todd Baker. Um, but the easiest way to grow as a church community is not Facebook ads, it's not handing out flyers at other churches. It's bringing friends and introducing them to friends who know Jesus. Faith makes sense in a community of people doing life together and following the way of Jesus Christ. Right? That's what is attractive about faith. That's how people are going to come to faith. They've got to see it in action. They've got to see the difference that it makes. They've got to see people who take faith seriously. And then it becomes a possibility in their lives. Jesus didn't write a book, but he did lead a community of friends. And they set about changing the world together. So I really believe great churches are built on great friendships. Uh, one of the stories that I love is, you know, many of you know the great evangelist, Billy Graham. And, um, you know, my dad came to faith in Billy Graham crusade in the 1960s? 50s? Yeah, we'll go with 60s. <laughs> but at Billy Graham's very first campaign, he had these two friends, Cliff Barrows and George Beverly Sheen, who used to sing at his meetings. And when Billy Graham retired 50 years later, he was still ministering with, and they were still singing with Cliff Barrows and George Beverly Sheen. That's going to be one of the most impressive things, to hold friendship through the entirety of your life. That church I mentioned, HTV, um, has about 10,000 people go on a Sunday, plays in hundreds of churches that are planting hundreds of churches. Uh, I had a friend who was there at the beginning of it in the 1980s when it really started to grow. And she said to me that that church was built on six families who were doing life together in friendship. And they're still all there today. They raise their kids together. They're on mission together. They're ministering together. They're having fun together. And the heart of that great church is friendship. So that's my hope for Manly Life too. You know, I think about Ryan and Cass. They walked in at our second service 10 years ago. And Ryan and Cass, we've been doing life for 10 years. Uh, Joey and Beck joined the church eight years ago. And we've been doing life with them ever since. It's a beautiful thing, even through the hard seasons of life, that we get to do life together. So we, when we hurt, we, we feel each other's hurts. We hurt on behalf of other people. We celebrate when other people are celebrating. We raise kids together. We keep each other on the right track with faith. And we have fun. You know, that's what this picnic is about. We want to do life together. Not just, we want to take our faith seriously. But we don't want to take ourselves too seriously, right? We want to do life together. So more so than that, I think that it is a part of what it means when Jesus says he came to bring life. Jesus restores relationship with God, but he also restores relationship between one another. That's not a bad way to think about reconciliation that God has brought into this world. Um, I love that passage in 2 Corinthians where it talks about having the ministry of reconciliation. And if you think about the cross, there's the vertical reconciliation between us and God. But on the cross, Jesus is also reconciling humanity 
into one new family, one new body. So there's the upwards reconciliation and the outwards reconciliation. So I want to live this way in close community, to love God together and to love people and to be loved by you guys. I'm perhaps never happier than when I am surrounded by friends. And my guess is that those who commit to life groups, to life of the church, get the dividend of community and friendship. Um, John Wimber, who started the Vineyard Churches, he used to have a saying that people come to church for a lot of reasons, but they only stay if they make five friends. Right? He, he just, that's just what he observed. You can love the worship. You can tolerate my preaching. You can enjoy what this church is about. But if you don't make friends, you will not stay. And sadly, I see that in family life all the time. I think we're good at welcoming people, but we need to get better. Um, you know, welcome is one part, a smiley face, a friendly handshake. But unless it turns into friendship, those people are not going to stay at church. Nicky Gundle has a great saying. He said, people aren't looking for a friendly church. They're looking for a church where they can make friends. Is that good? You know, we are a friendly church, but people are looking for a church where they can make friends. And our culture is looking for friendship, is it not? Um, I remember coming across an article about this graffiti at a university campus. It's quite famous. And someone had spray painted on one of the walls, I am surrounded by 30,000 students. Why am I so lonely? Right? I read teenagers spend six and a half hours a day on social media. And, and the problem with Facebook and Instagram, I'm, I'm not on them, but we compare our ordinary lives to people's highlight reels, right? So we always end up feeling inadequate. We always end up having lots of acquaintances, but not necessarily deep friendships. C.S. Lewis. Uh, said, friendship is the main course in life's banquet. Isn't that good? Friendship is the main course in life's banquet. And you'll have lots of great things about your life, hopefully your work and family and lots of great stuff. But it is friendship that is at the heart of what God gives to us. So, what we seem to have developed in our culture is not a banquet of friendship, but this kind of junk food diet of acquaintances and social media post likes. So many people would say, don't they? They've got countless acquaintances. I've got 2,200 friends on Facebook. Anyone got more than me? Didn't think so. <laughs> but you can have thousands of Facebook friends, but very few who would drop everything for them. Three quick things about friendship as we think about it as Christians. Firstly, in the church, our model of friendship is based and modeled on Jesus and his disciples. One of the things about Jesus is that he didn't just come to break down the dividing walls of hostility between us and God, but he also came to show us what it was like to do friendship. There's that meme, isn't there? You know, like Jesus was like 33 and had 12 friends. 
That's a major accomplishment for a man. His entire ministry was built on friendship. Doing life with a group of men and women, eating together, traveling together, ministering together. Jesus had the crowd for thousands who would come and watch him, listen to him. Jesus had the 72 who he did life with in a more kind of intimate way. Jesus had the 12 who he was super close with. And then Jesus had the three who he was most intimate with. What does Jesus say in John 15? Remember, this is God incarnate, powerful to defeat evil, heal the sick, teach with authority. He says in verse 15, I no longer call you servants. Instead, I call you friends. He is the Lord of the universe, offering not a master and servant relationship, but offering friendship with those who would follow him. That's a mind-boggling reality when we think this is who Thomas calls my Lord and my God. So we would do well to look at how Jesus does life together with his friends. But one thing we do see is that so much of Jesus' ministry seems to happen around what? Great public meetings? No. It happens in people's homes, at the dinner table, eating together. There's an old saying, eating together turns strangers into friends. How many of you guys could testify to that? You know, you had acquaintances here, but then you ate together, and now you're doing life with those people. So I'd encourage you, if you want to do ministry, if you want to do friendship well, do a lot of hospitality. Secondly, true friendship is not a transaction. Uh, John 15, 12 to 13, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. I mean, that's at the heart of friendship. It's not about ourselves, but what we can offer to others. Proverbs 77 says, a friend loves at all times. So love is going to be inherently sacrificial. The greatest love and act of friendship the world has ever known is Jesus laying down his life on the cross so that we could be free. It's why the truly admirable acts of friendship are always sacrificial. And, you know, my wife is one of the best. Right, mate? <laughs> He'll tell you a story. She's one of the best at that. So think Philippians 2.3. It says, In humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. People think to make friends, we've got to get people to be interested in us. But actually, it is about the other. It's about taking interest in other people. You know, Dale Carnegie said, you make more friends by being genuinely interested in other people. I remember when I was pursuing Victoria. <laughs> do you think I made, and come, made her come and watch me do the swim? <laughs> no, I went to dance classes. All of a sudden, I was going to the theatre. And I'll say this more to the young adults this evening, but a little dating tip, but also for friendship. If you want to be a good friend, take a genuine interest in the life of others. Right? 
You know, what makes them tick? Get to know their story. Be a good, active listener. Ask questions and then shut up. Don't interrupt with a story that's a little bit better than theirs. Are you in on holidays? Let me tell you about my holiday. See, we're too self-interested. You know, I know I'm guilty of this. You look at a photo of ourselves with a group, and who do you look for? You look for yourself, don't you? You know, the old joke about the man arrested outside a police station because he was caught staring at his face on the wanted poster. <laughs> so get over yourself. If you want to be a good friend, as it says in Philippians, look to the interests of others. And you know this is so important, particularly when you're going to build a community, a church of friends, because what happens in any community and friendship is that we're going to let each other down. But, but it's then not will that happen, but how will we deal with that? Christian communities and friendships are voluntary things. You know, like the old Baptist days when we had a membership role, and if you weren't here, the pastor would call you, and they'd send around some elders, and you know, these days, if you get upset with me, you just leave. <laughs> but of course, you're never going to deal with the things that need dealing with. You're never going to put down the roots and become a Christian disciple unless you work through the mess. It's easy just to bounce around from one superficial relationship to another. Christian community must be a place where we release offences and constantly forgive. Um, Happened with Peter Brooks' sermon last Sunday. I thought he did a great job. And I love that he mentioned that couple of people in Philippians 4 who Paul calls out because they're not getting along. <laughs> what an honour to be in the Word of God for all of time because you fell out with someone and you weren't dealing with it. Well, that cracks me up, anyhow. Yeah, I think that's funny. <laughs> Can't be happy about that mention. It happens all the time. It happens with me. Strong churches are built on strong friendships where we learn how to deal with offences and forgive. Colossians 3.13 says, Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Right? That's hard. It's easier just to leave. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Alright, third and final thing this morning. Um, <laughs> one of the amazing things about the church is it produces the most odd friendships. I'd probably go as far as saying if you don't have odd friendships at church, you're not doing it right. My favourite film is the seven-time Academy Award-winning film Milo and Otis. <laughs> Do you know it? No, it's not my favourite, it's my second favourite film. <laughs> And didn't win any awards. Um, does anyone know the film Milo and Otis? Yeah. Yeah, it's a great film. It's about a friendship between a dog and a cat. It's genius. And Milo and Otis, the dog and this cat, they become friends. And then they go on this adventure together. And along the way they become friends with a pig. And then they become friends with an owl and a deer. And you get this odd bunch of animals. It's a great movie. You've got to see it. And they go on this adventure together. And they become friends. Totally inspiring, I know. But it kind of reminds me of what church should be like, right? 
You pick up these people along the way and they become a part of your friendship and a part of the adventure. And you do life together with them. One of the most striking and totally revolutionary things about the early church that intrigued the people of the Roman Empire was the bizarre friendships. It baffled the ancient world. Paul talks about it in Galatians 3.28. He says, In Christ there is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. In other words, friendship formed in the family of God across every dividing line that humans can put up. And the thing that baffled the ancient world was when they had communion, they had these things called love feasts. They'd all just bring food and share. And for the first time in human history, slaves and slave owners were sharing a meal. Men and women were in it together, right? Jews and Greeks who had nothing to do with each other were breaking their bread together. So manly life, I want to see some more odd friendships. You know, so many communities and friendships these days are homogenous, boring, same type of people hanging out with the same type of people, surfers with surfers, hipsters with hipsters, older people with older people. And that's boring. That's unhealthy. Uh, when I left my last church to begin manly life in Victoria, I often reflect on who I miss the most. And the guy I miss the most was a guy called Steve Stormer. Um, he was a schizophrenic middle-aged man who lived in council housing. So we had a lot in common. <laughs> but he kind of came to church and he couldn't work, so he ended up working around the church. And we just give him stuff to do. And Steve and I would have lunch together and we'd paint walls together and we just became very good mates. And I got asked to speak at this conference down in Bankman's Bay once. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to take Steve's daughter. And so Steve and I got in my Holden SV6 ute and we gunned it down to Bankman's Bay. And when we got there, you know, I was doing these talks and there was ministry at the end. No one knew that Steve Stormer was schizophrenic and lived in council housing and couldn't hold down a job. And they just thought he was my ministry associate. And so at the end of these meetings, there was this long queue of people to be prayed for by Steve Stormer. And you know, he was moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. Been under no illusions. Uh, the presence of God works powerfully through men like him. What does Steve and I have in common? We have friendship with Jesus Christ leading to a great friendship with each other. So bring it into close. People come to church for all kinds of reasons but only stay if they make friends. People are looking for a friendly church. They are looking for a church to make friends at. It's a friendship that is modelled by Jesus, who gives us relationship with God. It is friendships that aren't self-serving, but give life to others. And they are odd, odd friendships that cut across all the normal divides we find in life. You know, the next couple of years, we're going to plan a congregation in French's Forest. If this church grows to 800, 900, 1,000 people, 
It's going to be because our music is really, really good. <laughs> we do want amazing worship. We've got amazing worship. It will have grown because of friendship. It'll have grown because we make room at the table for the next people who walk in. There is nothing more attractive to a selfish and lonely world than a community doing life together well, offering friendship with God through Jesus Christ and real, deep, meaningful friendship with one another. Amen. Now, stay seated. We're going to invite the band back up. We're going to have some worship. We're going to have some response. We're going to sing a couple of songs. But you've got Get Connected cards on your chairs. Come on up, man. I would love people today to sign up for life groups. That's where it happens. It happens in people's homes, at least fortnightly. That's where friendship's going to happen. So can I encourage us now to take a minute, grab your Get Connected card, grab your pen, fill it in, uh, we'll have a bucket in the foyer to put it in. But we would love for you to sign up to life groups and connect groups right now. Amen. Let's do that together, church. <laughs>